We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co hosts, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. Guys, the good news is that week four of the NFL season is almost over. We don't have to talk about Thursday night anymore. We can just put that behind us. Uh, we got some fun non-Packers football, though, this Sunday. So uh, how are you guys doing? I think I still have like a cold hangover from last Sunday being at the game. So I'm glad oh, I also yeah. wasn't there on Thursday because that yeah. would have just been completely brutal. But I'm recovering slowly. Yeah, I mean, obviously disappointing performance on Thursday. Glad we can just kind of like wash that out. Packers have a lot of time to get healthy before the next game. Uh, hopefully get on, uh, get back on track a little bit. But I think, you know, there's reasons for optimism going forward, and hopefully we can touch on that a little bit today. Yeah, what a serious swing of emotions for Maggie. I was just thinking about that, like, obviously <laughs> for everyone, but, like, you were there live to experience you know, the crazy high, but then also uh, the low there as well. So that's uh, uh, quite an experience for you. But I guess you guys were getting close. We're at the quarter of the season, right? Like 17 games kind of throws off the OCD and the math, but we're basically a quarter of the way through the season. So we kind of thought it would be interesting to kind of reflect on what has happened, right, so far through these four weeks of the season. How has it met our expectations? How has it been a little bit different? And then just how are we feeling about the 2023 Green Bay Packers and the narrative that is beginning to build around them through four games? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, this is what I was expecting through four games. I mean, sitting at 500 feels right. This is a really, really young football team with a really, really young offense. And it's certainly been uphill sledding at times for Jordan Love. He's got an injured offensive line. He didn't have Christian Watson and Aaron Jones for a while. So, you know, all that said, I thought he's looked the part through four weeks. And, you know, there's moments like the comeback against the Saints that makes me feel like he has it when it comes to being a starting quarterback. I will say, though, you know, through these four weeks and, you know, news at 11, I don't think this is surprising to anybody, but the defense has been disappointing. Mm. And, you know, we talk about having a really young offense and the growing pains that come with that. And we said on this show, like, you're going to need a defense that can make up for that because this offense isn't going to score 35 points every week. But if your defense can, you know, keep teams around 20, your offense, you know, can probably get the job done on paper. This defense, should, it just should be so good. Like, it should be so good. And yet, Matt LaFleur goes up to the podium and basically talks about how his defense is the definition of insanity, just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, hopefully this is, you know, a, a good eval for them now to finally take a closer look if they hadn't been doing that already, even though they should have been doing that already. But, you know, you're not going to win football games if you give up 200 yards rushing. So we'll see what happens. But offense, good. Defense, ugh. Yeah, I and I I wasn't going to go into this because I don't want to just jump on Joe Barry as the sole cause of the you know, <laughs> Packers problems right. right now. But essentially, it's really weird because Joe Barry, I think his scheme made a lot of sense the way the NFL was being played three to four years ago with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback with this explosive offense. Like, let's just keep everything in front of us. We'll be better than everybody else in the red zone. And that will help us to survive. And now you transition to a team that we know is going to struggle offensively at times. They're going to have peaks and valleys and you need a defense that can be really aggressive. And you seemingly, weirdly enough, have all of the players to be in a really aggressive defense. And that's just not what Joe Barry coaches, right? Like his defense is let's play a lot of cover to keep everything in front of us. And they are just getting gashed by the run over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I think the insanity piece, like the, that statement makes a ton of sense. And um, it, it's just interesting to me because it seemed like Joe Barry struggled last year anyways. And that was an opportunity to move on from him, knowing that the team was going to transition and they didn't do it. And now they're kind of stuck with the wrong scheme for your team. And what are you going to do this season? Essentially nothing. So, you know, I guess we'll just hope the Jets continue to lose and Robert Sala becomes available <laughs> as a defensive coordinator in the offseason. Anyways, uh, for me, taking a look at the first four games, it makes a lot of sense. I think Maggie is spot on. The Packers won a game they probably shouldn't have against the Saints. They lost a game they probably shouldn't have against the Falcons. They had a blowout win and they had a blowout loss. And... Add to that, they have a plus four point differential. So they're pretty much exactly what their record indicates, a middling team. We, we have to wait for the results of the Seahawks game on Monday night. But right now, there are five teams tied at two and two for the last playoff spot in the NFC. So despite Thursday's results, a lot of things to be optimistic about entering the second quarter of the season. They have a lot of time off, as has been talked about uh, incessantly. And they get the Raiders, the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Rams during that stretch. All of those should be, in theory, winnable games. 
So uh, anyways, I forgot. I have the next part. Uh, so we're going to get into what we had as our offseason predictions uh, for a few categories. One of those was team record. So two of us, uh, Maggie and myself, thought that the Packers would be 10 and 7. Kyle said 9 and 8. So we're just going to go over uh, how we feel like those predictions are on track. So Kyle, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I guess 9 and 8 still feels about right to me. I think that I thought think that I thought Green Bay would beat Chicago and Atlanta and would lose to New Orleans and Detroit to kind of start the season. Obviously, I had the Saints and the Falcons swapped in this, but I kind of felt like two and two was where we'd be right now. So I expected the results, but the journey has been very different than what I expected. I thought we'd see more turnovers from a young quarterback, and I thought we'd see improved play from the defense like we talked about, right? And those things just haven't been true. But I also don't think that we could have anticipated the injuries that we've had in Jones and Watson and Elton and Bach and Campbell and in Jair, right? And if you told us ahead of the season that we'd be dealing with all of those injuries along with trotting out a first-time starting quarterback, I think you'd be relatively pleased with two and two. But obviously it's been more frustrating than that, right? Because this team has shown times where there's been hope that they could be better than that. This team could easily be three and one. They could also easily be one and three, right? So as Andrew said, the Packers next five games are very winnable. Uh, Then they hit quite a speed bump, right? With the Chargers, the Lions, and the Chiefs after that. So for me, I think nine and eight still feels about right. But if the offensive line can get things figured out, if they get Elton back and they play better than they did on Thursday, they can find a running game and maybe things are a little bit different. Um, I think in that scenario, they could be several games better than nine and eight, but that's obviously a big if right now. Yeah. I mean, I still think that 10 and seven is possible. You're getting Christian Watson and Aaron Jones back, you know, is the offensive line probably the biggest concern right now? Yeah. But you know, Elton Jenkins will hopefully be back after the early bye, and that'll make a huge difference. Jordan love, has looked the part of an NFL starter through four games. And this isn't exactly, like you guys said, a daunting schedule for Green Bay. I mean, they have the 0-4 Bears that they're playing, the 1-3 Vikings. They have twice the 1-3 Broncos. The 0-4 Panthers are all down the stretch. You know, the division game's obviously never easy. No NFL game is a layup ever. But the way that we've seen this team kind of respond to resiliency and tough moments and the way that they, you know, are able to overcome adversity I should say, the way they're able to overcome adversity with resiliency, I think a wild card spot wouldn't be a shock. But like Andrew said, right now it's really early and there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces for some of those last spots. So defense is going to have to play a lot better football and the offense is going to have to, you know, start scoring points before the third quarter. But I agree with both of you that this could easily be a three and one or one and three team. So really young, but I think there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about what we've seen through the first four weeks. Yeah, and clearly your dog is quite upset about the Packers' performance on yeah, Thursday night. Yeah, I as know. Well. <laughs> I was ignoring it. So, <laughs> well, just in case anybody was wondering, I thought I would point it out. Um, so the next category was the year-long X factor, um, and so I had selected Luke Musgrave. 
Uh, Kyle had picked Kingsley and Igbare, and Maggie had Anders Carlson. And I'll just say quickly, Musgrave has looked the part of a future top five tight end in the NFL, but still had the wild inconsistencies of a rookie, even through the first four weeks. I'm certainly excited about the blocking potential he has exhibited, and at a minimum has shown the willingness to be an impact player there. Uh, Hopefully we will see a quick recovery from the concussion, because I think he has a chance to help open up this offense, which is quite desperately needed at this point. I really thought that this Lions game was going to be the coming out party for Luke Musgrave. So really disappointing that the concussion had to derail that. But I love that pick, and I think you're looking pretty good with that. Um, I selected Kingsley and Igbari, like you said. And when I did, it was kind of based on a few different things. First, I assumed that Rashawn Gary wouldn't be producing anywhere near 100% and would need to be brought along really slowly. I also assumed that rookie Lucas Van Ness would also be brought along slower as a rookie and would kind of play that edge four spot, at least initially, because he was a raw-ish prospect coming out of Iowa. He was kind of selected based on upside and not necessarily what he was right now. And I assumed that Kingsley would continue to play at the high level that he demonstrated during the preseason. And none of those assumptions ended up being true. Rashawn Gary certainly isn't playing a full snap load. He's played about 25% of the snaps so far this season. But I think I underestimated underestimated how simply impactful he could be with that low of a snap count, right? He's been incredible. And Lucas Van Ness has played more than I expected as well. He's He played 50% of the snaps on defense in the Lions game this week, which was second only to Preston Smith at the edge position. So Enigbari hasn't played as much as I thought that he might, but he's also decreased his snaps by the way that he's played, honestly. He's consistently been one of the Packers' worst-graded defenders for PFF, and he's had a very low uh, pass rush win rate through four games. So he simply hasn't been the X factor that I thought that he'd be, and Lucas Van Ness and Rashawn Gary are slowly kind of just taking his snaps and moving him down the depth chart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. 
I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal. So you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And, And if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it. Enjoy your game day and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means. It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, I'm feeling good about this. I mean, I had said when I picked it, he's the ultimate X factor, right? Good kicker, you put yourself in a position to win games. Bad kicker, you lose close games. And so far, Anders Carlson remains 100% on the season. He's had five field goals, two over 50, and all nine of his extra points. So after an up and down training camp, really up and down preseason, he is definitely looking the part through four weeks. You wouldn't know he's a rookie. And just for comparison's sake, I was really curious um, how all the other rookie kickers across the league have performed through four weeks. So there are four other rookie kickers right now in the league. Jake Moody, obviously with the 49ers, a third round pick is also 100% on the season. Chad Ryland, the Patriots, fourth round pick, 60% on field goals, 100% on extra points. Uh, Blake Groupie, the Saints undrafted free agent kicker, is six of seven on field goals, of course, missing the game winner against the Packers. And then uh, Brandon Aubrey, the Cowboys undrafted free agent, who is from the USFL, is 100% on field goals and 85% on extra points. So 
pretty solid performances from the rookie kickers. Now, you know, the rest of Green Bay special teams is we're not going to talk about it, but Andres Carlson at least looks very good through four weeks. Yeah, and the next category is going to be Jordan Love's numbers. I thought this would be a good way to kind of wrap up our prediction series. Um, and so we had said we would all or all three of us would take the over on the preseason prediction of 3,350 passing yards and 21 and a half touchdowns. So Maggie, where where do you see that one headed? Yeah, so I had to break it down, you know, by game. And through four games, Jordan Love has 901 yards and eight touchdowns. So over a 17-game season, that would be 34 touchdowns and 3,829 yards. So averaging about 225 yards per game. And I think that feels kind of on par with what we expected in our projections. You know, he'll certainly have games where he exceeds those numbers, and then he'll certainly have games where he doesn't have to throw a ton. So the young receiving core is really showing out, and I say he should have games where he doesn't have to throw a ton, but with the way the run game is performing, he probably will be throwing quite a bit. So, um, But I, I do think that young receiving core is really helping him out because the yards after catch has you know, been lighting up some of Love's numbers, but absolutely would still continue to hammer the over on both. Yeah, taking the over on the touchdowns and the yards kind of felt like easy money. Maybe it was just the homer in us wanting Jordan Love to succeed, right? But regardless, he's really playing pretty well. It hasn't been perfect. There's been some throws that he certainly wanted back. There's been some times that he's shown some hesitation when maybe he should have just let it rip. But it's hard to not be super encouraged by what we've seen thus far from number 10. And I think the most promising thing is the way that he's protected the ball. Obviously, he had the two interceptions versus Detroit. But if we attribute the second one to a miscommunication with Dobbs, who assumed that Love was breaking the pocket and was kind of going into that scramble drill, that leaves two interceptions through four games. And even as a team who's been spoiled by someone like Aaron Rodgers, who has such a low interception rate, I think you have to be pleased that Love is only averaging about a half an interception per game thus far this season. I think that that's well below what I expected when we started you know, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think so. It it does seem that everything is pointing up when it comes to Jordan Love, at least with the expectations we had entering the season. Uh, but it's easy to forget. And sometimes, you know, as fans, we can kind of get lost in the new expectations that get set after a game. Um, but it's important to remember throughout the NFL season, never get too high, never get too low. Um, and speaking of the NFL, uh, we wanted to just take a quick spin around the games that happened today uh, as we're recording on Sunday night. So uh, any anything that stuck out to you on the NFL slate today, Kyle? Yeah, the Bills-Dolphins game was interesting to me because after the Dolphins put up 70 on Denver last week, I think lots of people were expecting this to be a little bit more of a fight from the Dolphins, maybe this explosive offense we've seen again, you know, but it's week to week in the NFL, right? And that didn't happen this week. Buffalo showed uh, that they're a pretty darn explosive offense themselves and that they're still king of the AFC East. Of course, the Vikings finally got a win against the struggling Panthers team, but Minnesota still looks bad. If we're being honest, they have the chiefs and 49ers two of the next three weeks. So it's not like things are going to get easier there for the Vikings, but they did get that first win of the season. 
I think one of my biggest surprises this season in general has just been the performance of the NFC South. You know, the Packers, of course, have played two of those teams already. And the Panthers, you said, are winless, of course. The Buccaneers look pretty good with Baker Mayfield at the helm. They're leading the division three and one. So we talked about this division kind of being an easier draw for a Packer, like for a really young offense for the Packers when we did our season preview. And so far, it's been anything but. I mean, the Falcons and Saints games were both pretty contested. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, we talked about the AFC West being just a brutal slog, and they have looked worse than advertised. You know, the Broncos squeaked out a win today against the Bears. Raiders-Chargers game was tough sledding for both teams. The Chargers narrowly won that one. So when we talk about the 2-2 two and two Packers heading to Vegas next weekend, they'll be facing a 1-3 and three Raiders squad. And, you know, we'll have to see, I guess, what happens with Devontae Adams there, too, because he hurt his shoulder, came back in the game, but then after the game sounded like it was pretty miserable. So we'll see uh, what that means. But, yeah, big ups from the NFC South and kind of surprised about the AFC West. Yeah, and just from an NFC North standpoint, we have the Bears currently holding the first and second picks in the upcoming 2024 NFL Draft. And while that likely will not be the case when the end of the season comes around, or maybe it will, who knows, uh, the thought of the Bears getting Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. certainly isn't something that I want to think about. Uh, I'm guessing Panthers fans uh, maybe have a little bit of buyer's remorse after seeing the way uh, that Bryce Young has played through the first few weeks. But, you know, maybe Caleb Williams will just stay at UFC if he faces the reality of being the next bust at quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> but the the Vikings played a role in that by beating the Panthers, as both of you mentioned, uh, but they looked really bad in doing so. So, you know, Kirk had two red zone turnovers, including a 100-yard pick six. The Lions, of course, are in first, but the Packers, to me, are clearly the second best team in this division. So I think that should lead us to some optimism for, you know, jumping into the second quarter of this NFL season. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney and also on Packs What She Said. And you find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And we'll be back next week with a preview of the Packers' Week 5 Monday Night Football game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... 